surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your time. The future will be amazing, and that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400-horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomenon, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. everyone to Too Good To Be True. Thank you for taking the time to listen. The subject for today's show are the legendary figures King Arthur, Robin Hood, and William Tell. Before we start getting into details, let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it. We choose a subject and research it, and based on that research, we determine what we think needs to be explained by creating a series of questions. Then Justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions. The Psychic Insight is narrated towards the end of the show. Accepting the Psychic Insight is a question of individual belief. Now let's go through the disclaimers. Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any subjects that we discuss. We relate information we find through research and the Psychic Insight. We are always delighted to hear from the listeners. The show only lasts an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. This means that there will be information that we miss. We want to provide a basis for the psychic insight. We don't care if a theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We are only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate insight that is appropriate for our time in history. Free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the psychic insight. Much of the subject matter in shows may have already been covered many times in other media. We want to look into subjects in a new, different way and be thought-provoking. We are not so good with pronouncing names. We apologize. And neither of us have any particular knowledge of folklore or literature. If we have misstated anything, we apologize. In the 50s and 60s in Britain, 
children's television had a lot of series centered on characters like Robin Hood, William Tell, Sir Francis Drake, or Ivanhoe. Sir Francis Drake was a real character from history, while Ivanhoe was a fictional character. It appears that King Arthur, Robin Hood, and William Tell are all legendary characters, meaning that they are properly regarded as being historical figures, but are not part of authenticated history. But do they have some basis in fact? I don't think that everyone is familiar with these legends, especially as two are from England and one is from Switzerland. Also, today's popular movies and television series are about superheroes rather than just heroes. Let's start with King Arthur in the Dark Ages, which commenced for the British when the Romans left as their Western Empire collapsed. The website Anglotopia provides a concise overview of the legend of Arthur as follows. Quote, the basis of the legendary Arthur begins with Geoffrey of Monmouth, who in the 12th century wrote the Historia Regum Britannae, the history of, Brit of, kings, of, the history of the kings of Britain. It is from Monmouth's text that we're told that Arthur was the son of Uther Pendragon, a king who fought the Romans and barbarians, had a total of 12 recorded battles, and ultimately returned home to find that his son Mordred had risen up against him, leading to a final epic confrontation between them. His works would influence many later authors on the continent, including Chrétien de Troyes, Gretchen would expand on the myths further with Lancelot, King of the Cart, and Percival, the story of the Grail. Both works would go on to influence Arthurian legend, with the former in introducing Lancelot and his adulterous fair affair with Queen Guinevere, while the latter injected the Holy Grail into the mythos. One of the most well-known stories from the period is Gawain and the Green Knight, a tale of loyalty, honor, and temptation, whose author remains unknown." Unquote. It doesn't include Arthur pulling the sword from in the stone, the sorcerer Merlin, along with it all the knights of the round table, or the lady in the lake. Geoffrey Monmouth incorporated the character Merlin into the Historia Regum Britannae and his later work, Vita Merlini, or the life of Merlin. Merlin is believed to be based on Midrid, or sorry, Midrin White Wilt, or Midrin the Wild, a 6th century Welsh legend, who was a bard and prophet and the Romano-British war leader Ambrosius Aurelianus, who may have defeated the Saxons in a 5th century battle. Who else was Arthur supposed to be based on? The website History Extra provides two theories regarding who Arthur may have been. Quote, All that is known with even the least degree of certainty is that a man named Arthur or Arturus led a band of heroic warriors who spearheaded the resistance of Britons against invading Saxons, Jutes, and others from the north of Europe sometime in the 5th and 6th centuries AD. Another theory claims that Arthur was a Roman centurion named Lucius Artorius Castus, who fought against the Picts, northern tribes that constituted the largest kingdom in Dark Age Scotland, on Hadrian's Wall in the 2nd century AD some 300 years earlier than the time in which Arthur's dates are normally set." Unquote. But what do we know about the Knights of the Round Table? Apparently that was written in France at a later date. At the fall of the Roman Empire, I don't think that many of the locals in Britain were, were knights riding around on horses protected by full body armor. That technology was later in history when there would have been knights as we know about them today. The following is more background from the Myths and Legends website. Quote, the French poet Robert Wace wrote a French version for Henry II and Eleanor of Aquitaine, adding the round table. Chrétien de Troyes, who worked for Eleanor's daughter, wrote five Arthurian stories between 1160 and 1180. He first introduced the love between Lancelot and Guinevere, as well as being the first to mention the Holy Grail. Both of these have parallels in Celtic myths. So this was written centuries after the time when Arthur was supposed to have been alive. Yes, part of the French version is that the liaison between the Knights of the Round Table, Lancelot, and Arthur's Queen, Guinevere, brought an end to the story. The following is from Wikipedia regarding Lancelot. Quote, he typically features as King Arthur's greatest companion, the Lord of Joyous Guard, and the greatest swordsman and jouster of the age, 
until his adulterous affair with Queen Guinevere is discovered, causing a civil war exploited by Mordred, which brings about the end of Arthur's kingdom. The Wikipedia article continues to describe Mordred. Mordred or Modred is a character in the Arthurian legend. Based on a possibly historic figure, Mordred is most commonly known as a notorious traitor who fought King Arthur at the Battle of Camlan, where he was killed and Arthur was fatally wounded, unquote. Mordred was either Arthur's son or his nephew, according to different sources. That sounds a bit like Star Wars, but in reverse. I think you should move on and explain why the round table was round and not oval or oblong. I think the obvious answer is that the round table means that nobody is at the head of the table. So a round table represented equality. Apparently, Arthur sat beside the 12 knights, so there weren't 13 at the table. Some accounts talk of 12 knights, while others talk about numbers such as 25 or 50 or more. Some with an open seat for the true knight that would seek the Holy Grail. How did the Holy Grail, the cup that Jesus was supposed to have drunk from at the Last Supper, become associated with the British Isles? Because Joseph of Arimathea, according to legend, was supposed to have brought it to Glastonbury in southwest England. According to Christian tradition, after the crucifixion, Joseph buried Jesus' body in the tomb that he had prepared for himself. The ThoughtCo website pro provides an explanation as follows, quote, Joseph of Arimathea might pass through the Gospels very briefly, but he enjoyed a lively role in later Christian legends. According to various accounts, Joseph of Arimathea traveled to England, where he founded the first Christian church, was the protector of the Holy Grail, and became an ancestor of Lancelot or even King Arthur himself, unquote. So what were the battles that Arthur was involved in? Here's a quote from the Encyclopedia Britannica website. Quote, the Welsh historian Nennius recorded 12 great victories in battle during Arthur's time as Dux Bellorum. Much of his material is mythical, however, and the magical number 12 does not sit well for historic evidence. Some historians have argued that this is too great a number for one man's lifetime. Their locations may well have been too widespread for a single leader to have fought each other. Counteracting this view, some believe Arthur to have headed up a war band of cavalrymen traveling around the country and championing the British cause, hence his widespread popularity. True or not, it seems likely that, as with stories attached to the real Arthur, several of these battles may have been properly associated, associated with alternative Arthurs or just with other great Dark Age heroes." Unquote. Uh, Dux Bellorum means warlord. Uh, having lived in Wiltshire, England, Liddington Hill, which is now tra traversed by the M4 motorway, is supposed to be the site of Arthur's last battle, or at least a battle that was against the Saxons. What parts of the legend haven't we mentioned yet? The sword in the stone was contrived by Merlin to show who was rightfully king by Arthur being the only one capable of removing it. According to legend, Arthur's magical sword Excalibur was a sword he received from the lady in the lake, with Arthur returning the sword to the lake before he died. Before that, when wounded, Arthur would return to the island of Avalon to heal his wounds. Nobody seems too sure of where the island or the lake was supposed to have been situated. I think it's time to change the subject to Robin Hood. The stories of the legend of Robin Hood were handed down from the 15th century as ballads performed by minstrels, with Robin being more of a thief than, uh, than hero. But the 1883 novel, The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood of Great Renown in Nottinghamshire, by the American illustrator and writer Howard Pyle, seemed to be the basis of the modern legend where, the Robin, where Robin is portrayed as a true hero. The Adventures of Robin Hood, starring Richard Green, was a popular television series broadcast all over the world in the 1950s and 60s. But in my opinion, the backstory to the television series is more interesting than the legend. We'll have to continue discussing Robin Hood after this short break, and you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xcbn.net.
It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by Shaman Worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were discussing Robin Hood. And Dad, you were saying that the history and what may be just legend behind the backstory of Robin Hood is more interesting. But why would that be? Because of McCarthyism in the United States, as explained by Wikipedia. Quote, McCarthyism is the practice in the United States of making accusations of subversion or treason without proper regard for evidence. The term refers to U.S. Senator Joseph McCarthy and his and its origins in the period in the United States known as the Second Red Scare, lasting from the late 1940s through the 1950s. It was characterized by heightened political repression as well as a campaign spreading fear of communist influence on American institutions and of espionage by Soviet agents." Unquote. This led to actors, writers and others being blacklisted and unable to work in Hollywood. How did it affect the adventures of Robin Hood? Here's another quote from Wikipedia. Quote, the adventures of Robin Hood was produced by Hannah Weinstein, who had left-wing political views. Weinstein hired many blacklisted American writers to script episodes of the series. These included Rick Lardner Jr., Waldo Salt, Robert Lease, and Adrian Scott. Howard Koch, who was also blacklisted, served for a while as the series script editor. The blacklisted writers were credited under pseudonyms to avoid the attention of studio, studio executives. The article continues. After the blacklist collapsed, Lardner said that the series format allowed him plenty of opportunities to comment on issues and institutions in Eisenhower, America. Presumably a tucking time, which was such an episode in which a twin of Friar Tuck arrives boasting of his willingness to sell a weapon that, would, that could destroy the world. In addition to the redistributive themes of a hero who robs from the rich and gives to the poor, many episodes in the program's first two seasons included the threat that Robin and his band would be betrayed to the authorities by friends or loved ones, much as the blacklisted writers had been. But the half-hour-length episodes of broad target market precluded any political criticism that went beyond the generalities of 19th-century Robin Hood revival books." Unquote. So what do we know about Robin Hood and his band of Mary Ben, Friar Tuck, the Sheriff of Nottingham, and Maid Marian? Let's quote again from Wikipedia, the overview of the plot from the adventures of Robin Hood, the, the television series. Quote, the series is set in 12th century during, in the 12th century during the reign of King Richard. Robin of Loxley, a nobleman, is forced into the life of an outlaw dwelling in Sherwood Forest with a band of men might, who right wrongs 
right the wrongs committed by the rich and powerful against the poor and defenceless. He was given the name Robin Hood by the outlaw band's leader, Will Scatlock, who was fatally wounded. Hood's enemy in the series is the Sheriff of Nottingham, who, with his cohorts, schemes to capture the, the outlaw by any means possible. Lady, Lady Marion Fitzwater, made Marion, a young noblewoman and Robin Hood's lover, keeps him informed of the Sheriff of Nottingham's whereabouts and intentions. Episodes are punctuated with many deeds of daring do, tense escapes and pursuits, princely tournaments, the thundering hoofbeats of powerful steeds, the clattering of flashing swords and the whizzing of fatally placed arrows, unquote. King Richard is off to the Crusades in the Holy Land while the repressive Prince John is making sure that heavy taxes are raised on the poor to pay for unsuccessful military campaigns. The Sheriff of Nottingham is loyal to Prince John while Robin Hood is loyal to King Richard. The ruling classes in the series are, or the ruling class in the series are Norman and the common people are Saxons. This followed the Norman invaders defeating the Saxons in 1066. That all sounds like great fun, but was there ever a historical character that Robin Hood was based on? But wasn't John the King who later signed the Magna Carta? Yes, Prince John, after became King John, signed the Magna Carta in 1215. He is also famous for losing the crown jewels and other treasure in eastern England the same year, with the carts carrying the loot being submerged by coastal tidal water. But as for uh, Robin Hood, the website, History on the Net, puts forward several theories regarding who he might have been as follows. Quote, the Earl of Huntington, according to a 1632 ballad by Martin Parker. Robin of Loxley, 1245, who was outlawed for killing his stepfather, according to Roger Dodsworth. Robin Hood of Wakefield, a rebel Earl of Lancaster, who ended up working for, the, for King Edward as a bodyguard in 1323 and was recorded in the court role as Robin Hood. Robert Hodd of York, 1226, who became an outlaw after his goods were confiscated. He owed money to St. Peter's and was also called Hobble Hod. Roger Godbeard, who played a significant role in the Montfort revolt in the 1260s. Justin Elias that thieves used. An Anglo-Saxon freedom, sorry, an Anglo-Saxon freedom fighter that opposed the oppression of the Norman lords, originally known as Swain, the son of Sig, that raided the Yorkshire woods with his band during the 11th century. A character derived from a mythical character, mythological character, the Germanic goblin Hodikin. How did the character of Robin Hood become an outlaw, a common criminal on the run? I remember reading a book a long time ago that he killed a deer on his own land, which had been unfairly taken away from him. The Norman rulers by the 12th century declared that much of the land in the country was royal forest, with the common people unable to live off the land without severe restrictions. The rulers wanted exclusive use of the land for hunting. But I think it was just a story to explain some English history. Before we move on to William Tell, in 2012, a 12-year-old girl named Bridgeanne Diavon of Salisis, California, determined that 42 of the first 43 U.S. presidents had King John as an ancestor. And, Dad, you may want to pronounce that last name again, because I butchered that. <laughs> well, it's Bridgeanne Davion, which means Bridgeanne Bridge, I guess. But anyway, Perfect. yes. Uh, Thank you. So she's bridge squared. There's also a theory that a candidate with the closest connection to the English royalty will win the presidential election, but that seems to have been discredited. Changing subject, I guess most have heard that have heard the William Tell overture, but there doesn't seem to be much known about William Tell. Here's a quote giving some background from the website Mises. Quote, the legend of William Tell, the Swiss legendary hero who symbolizes a struggle for individual and political freedom, has its own origins in medieval Switzerland in the tax rebellions that launched the Everlasting League and the defeat of an empire, unquote. More background is that when Rudolf of Habsburg was elected German king and Holy Roman Emperor in 1273, he asserted feudal claims over the people of that part of Switzerland, enforcing taxation. The Everlasting League was the start of the Swiss nation. So William Tell happened to live in that part of Switzerland? That's correct. Here's more from the Mises website. 
Quote, as the legend goes, the emperor dispatched his army of tax collectors to enforce his long unrecognized claims. One of them, Hermann Gessler, arrived in Altdorf, where he promptly acted to enforce imperial and feudal authority over the people. Raising a pole in the center square and using his hat decorated with peacock feathers atop it as a symbol of imperial power, Gessler commanded all who passed to bow before it and show proper respect for the government. William Tell and his young son Walter, peasants from the nearby countryside of Bergland and Uri, perhaps have not heard of Gessler's command or maybe choosing not to obey it, walked past without bowing. Some versions say he laughed out loud at the silly symbol of the government and its claim to tax. When Gessler heard of this, he became enraged, fearing that other men would also disobey him, and ordered William Tell's arrest. Hearing that this William Tell was a famous hunter, Gessler devised a cruel plan. He ordered Tell to shoot an apple atop the head of his young son, Walter. Now, William Tell begged the tyrant not to have him do this. What if my son should move? What if my hand should tremble? What if the arrow should not carry true? Will you make me kill my boy? He asked. Say no more, said Gessler. You must hit the apple with one arrow. If you fail, my soldiers shall kill the boy before your eyes. Without another word, William Tell aimed and let the arrow loose. Water hands tied stood firm and still. He wasn't afraid. The arrow struck the apple in the center, carrying it away from him. Gessler was impressed and infuriated, but as Tell was turning away, a second arrow that, had hid, that he had hidden in his coat fell to the ground. Cried Gessler, what mean you with this second arrow? Tell proudly replied, Torrent, this arrow was for, meant for your heart if you had hurt my son. Unquote. What did a really angry Gessler do then? He used his authority with the help of soldiers. He commanded the, he commanded. The Mises article continues, quote, Not surprisingly, Gessler ordered Tell's arrest again, sentenced him to life imprisonment in the dungeons of Gessler's castle at Kuznicht. During a long boat journey to transport William Tell to prison, a violent storm suddenly arose on the lake and the oarsmen begged Gessler to release Tell so that he could help steer them to safety. Gessler acceded and Tell cunningly maneuvered the boat close to the shore saving Gessler from the storm. But then he leapt to freedom, landing on a flat rock and escaping into the surrounding forest. Determined to take revenge on the tyrant Gessler, Tell hurried through the back, back country to Kuznacht. As Gessler and his party walked out along the Holgas on their way to the castle, William Tell leapt out and shot the tyrant straight through the heart." Unquote. The whole gas was a path of the trees, now a tourist attraction. The legend continues with, well, I think we have to go to the break. Yes. But we'll look, continue the legend after that. Yes, and you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xbxzbn.net. here and they've been here for thousands of years making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. 
Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnicks, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we are discussing the story of William Tell. And Dad, you were quoting from the Mrs. article. But what happened next with William Tell? Well, after he um, d- dispatched Gessler, he, the legend continues with Tell returning home to lead an uprising that led to the forming of the Everlasting League and eventually the defeat of the Holy Roman Emperor, Lord Leopold I of Austria. William Tell has become central to the identity of Switzerland. But is this just a legend or did William Tell actually exist? According to the Smithsonian website, it is impossible to say one way or the other. With that impossibility, I think it's time for the first question. Why are television shows and movies about heroes and more recently superheroes so popular? Basically, since everyone wants to have their own type of superpower. So everyone wants to believe that they could turn into a hero or superhero where they could help others. So deep down, it's something that especially children or younger people strive towards. And it also teaches them good values, which aren't always realistic, but values about how children can do the right thing. And if they do the right thing, they can really help others. Does the basis of the legend of Arthur begin with Geoffrey of Monmouth, who in the 12th century wrote the history of the kings of Britain? Yes. Is there any truth behind Arthur being the son of Uther Pendragon and a king who fought the Romans and barbarians in 12 recorded battles? There's a connection, yes. Is there more you could say about Arthur being son of Uther Pendragon? Basically that it wasn't actually his son, but he was more like a son to him, so they were not biologically related. Did Geoffrey and Monmouth base the character of Merlin on 6th century Welsh bard and prophet Midrin the Wild and also the Roman British war leader Ambrosius Aurelianus? Yes. Did Ambrosius Aurelianus defeat the Saxons in a 5th century battle? Yes. Was Arthur in reality Arthur or Arturus who led the Britons against the invading Saxons, Jutes and others from the north of Europe? in the 5th and 6th centuries AD? Yes. Has Arthur been based on more than one person with different stories? Is that correct? Correct. That's why some of the stories don't really line up, as because it's not always the same continuing story. Was Arthur partly based on a Roman centurion named Lucius Artorius Castus, who fought against the Picts on Adrian's Wall in the 2nd century AD? For one version, yes. So that's why things get so confusing. 
It's not one solid story where everyone came together and did the same basis. Is there any truth behind the story of the love between Lancelot and Guinevere or the story of the Holy Grail? There's some underlining truth, yes, especially with the Holy Grail. Does the story of the love between Lancelot and Guinevere or the story of the Holy Grail have parallels in Celtic myth? Yes, they both do. Is there any truth behind the story of Arthur and his relative Mordred being involved in mortal combat? Yes, there's some truth, but again, it's been embellished. Did the writers of Star Wars look to stories of Arthur and other legends for inspiration? Yes, they did, especially ones that you could say were more dramatic. Was the writing of the legend of Arthur based on a previous legend or set of beliefs? In some ways, yes. Is there any significance in the number 12 for the Knights of the Round Table? Not exactly, no. The only significance is that 12 is an even number for the Knights, and they wanted an even number. Did the Round Table signify equality for those who sat at it? Yes and no. There were still some different, you could say, politics that went on. But it was a group of people coming together, and equality was one of the goals. So one of the people the real Arthur was based on did have a round table and knights or followers. Is that correct? Yes. Did Joseph of Arimathea ever travel to England after the crucifixion? No. Did Joseph of Arimathea have anything to do with the Holy Grail? No. Can you say anything about the story of the Holy Grail? It is something that really hasn't been out in the open for a very long time, but it does still exist. If somebody went to look for the cup now, would they find it, or is it well hidden? It is still existing, so it would be found, but it would be very hard to find it. So the search would take a very long time, and it's not in an obvious place. Was it deliberately hidden? Yes. Is there any significance in the number 12 for Arthur's great victories in battle? Not exactly again. It's just a nice even number. Why were even numbers chosen? Since odd numbers are very, you could say, we're more out there. So if you think a group of three, there's always one left out. So if you have an even number, they all equally match. Was Arthur in part an individual who headed up a war band of cavalrymen traveling around the country and championing the British cause? Yes. Were several of the battles associated with alternative Arthurs or with other great Dark Age heroes? Yes, again, it's based on many different stories. So you can think of it as many different stories coming together with similar characters. Was Lidington Hill and Wiltshire the site of Arthur's last battle, or at least a battle that was fought against the Saxons? Yes. Can you say more about it, as, such as who fought it? So basically in that battle, it wasn't really one side against another but more of people who just wanted to get their anger out in a way. So there wasn't a real goal of the battle, but more, we are just going to fight because we can. So it was one of the more unorganized battles, where it was just there at the right time, or you could even say the wrong time. So there were people from all over, or all different sides, and there really wasn't an ultimate victory. But instead, it was just a, you could say, more fun battle in a way, where people were coming together but also, obviously, the sacrifices of the people who did not make it through the battle. But was it Britons against Saxons? In a way, yes, but not completely, as there was others, too. Is there any symbolism in the story of the sword in the stone contrived by Merlin to show who was rightfully king? Yes and no. That is more of a made-up story where it shows how it's very hard choosing who actually should be king. So it goes with that everything just kind of falls into place, reasoning where the rightful owner who can pull the sword out will be the king. So it shows, one, how hard it is to choose royalty, but also, two, how everything kind of falls in place. Is there any symbolism in the story of Arthur receiving his sword Excalibur from the lady in the lake and returning it to her as his life was fading out? Basically, the cycle of life in a way where the belongings will last forever, well, the person will not. Is there any point in looking for the location of the island of Avalon? Was there ever such a place? It was based on different places, but no, there's no point looking for the specific place.
Is there anything else you can tell us about The Legend of Arthur? Basically, that it was very difficult since there are so many different stories intertwined. So there is some basis in history. However, there are embellishments into the stories too. So that's a problem with a lot of stories, even ones that are more historic stories, is that people are always going to try to make it more, more than it is, so that it can be a fun story to tell. So it's very hard to separate what's true from history and what's fact and what's also fiction. Changing the subject to Robin Hood, in 1883, an American writer, Howard Pyle, authored the novel The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood of Great Renown in Nottinghamshire. Why was it an American writer who wrote about a character from 12th century England? Since they had a lot of interest in England, so they studied different things about England and the people, the history, the places, etc. So it was just his ultimate interest. Besides making for a better story, why did Howard Pyle create a heroic character not previously portrayed as a hero? Basically to put that twist on it. So to make it something entertaining and something that everyone would want to hear about. So he thought it would be something that people would want to hear, basically. For the television show The Adventures of Robin Hood, were the American writers attracted to the legend of a hero rising up against repression, in part due to repression at the time in their own country? Yes, there were many different bases about what was going on at that time. How did McCarthyism the practice of making accusations of subversion or treason without proper regard for evidence take hold when citizen rights are protected by the Constitution in the United States? That's a very difficult question to answer, but basically since there was different human bias involved, so a lot of people didn't follow the Constitution like they should and made it so that things were just assumed, so that you can even see that today where not everything follows the book. Was the heightened political repression as well as the spreading the fear of a communist influence on American institutions a result of any actual communist influence? Not really, no. It was more of a fear tactic. Was the fear of espionage by Soviet agents based on any reality? There was a small basis since there was the fear of what the communists would do, but there wasn't really any major fear. So the problem was that the small percentage that something could happen was heightened so that a huge amount of fear could be spread to the people. I don't think we've got time for the next question before the break. So can you take us into the break, Justine? Yes. After this short break, we'll continue with the questions and psychic insight about Robin Hood and other legendary figures. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. here and they've been here for thousands of years making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. 
So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Welcome back to Do Good to Be True. And before the break, we are going through the questions in Psychic Insight about Robin Hood and other legendary figures. Dad, can you please continue with the questions? Yes, I will. Thank you, Justina. Did a significant of Americans with left-wing views have any ambition to work with the Soviets to undermine or destabilize the political order of the United States? Yes, but that happens at all different political times, not just then. Did the series writers take opportunities to comment in storylines on issues and institutions in Eisenhower-era America? Yes. Was the episode a tucking time in which a twin of Friar Tuck arrives boasting of his willingness to sell a weapon that could destroy the world meant as a comment on Eisenhower era America? Yes, and again, going back to the fear that a lot of people had where they were afraid that there would be this ultimate weapon. Did many episodes in the, first, in the program's first two seasons purposely include the, include the threat that Robin and his band will be betrayed to the authorities by friends or loved ones, much as the blacklisted writers had been. Yes. In 1215, was King John's treasurer, including the crown jewels, lost by being submerged by coastal tidal water? Yes, it's lost. Why was the treasure never recovered? It's too deep in the ocean. Could the treasure be found in the future? With very, very advanced technology, so it's very far down, and there's no way humans could physically go there. Was the character of Robin Hood based on the Earl of Huntington? In some ways, yes. Is this like Arthur, where Robin Hood is based on different characters in history? Correct, yes. Kind of combining them all together to create one hero. Was the character based in part on Robin of Loxley, who was outlawed for killing his stepfather? Not really, no. That's one more of a vague connection. Was the character based in part on the Earl of Lancaster, who ended up working for King Edward as a bodyguard in 1323 under the name of Robin Hood? Some aspects, yes. Was the character based in part on Robert, Robert Hodd of York, who became an outlaw after his goods were confiscated? No. Was the character in part based on Roger Godbird, who played a significant role in the Montfort Revolt in the 1260s? Yes, vaguely again. Was the name Robin Hood an alias that thieves used? Yes, that could be said. Was Robin Hood in part based on an Anglo-Saxon freedom fighter that opposed the oppression of the Norman lords, originally known as Swain, the son of Sig? Some of it, yes. Was Robin Hood, in part, a character derived from the Germanic goblin Hodekin? No. Did the real Robin Hood become an outlaw by killing a deer on his own land, which had been unfairly taken away from him, or was it just a history lesson in disguise? Kind of both. So in a way, a history lesson, but in a way, not. Were there real people behind the characters of the Sheriff of Nottingham, Maid Marian, Friar Tucker, Little John, or were they just products of the author Howard Pyle's imagination? They were vaguely based on some people in his life, so some characters were there, yes, but they were also very characterized, yes. Was the location of Sherwood Forest another project of author Howard Pyle's imagination? That was imagination, yes. Can 42 of the first 43 U.S. presidents claim King John as an ancestor? Yes. Is there any truth in a discredited theory that the candidate with the closest connection to English royalty 
will win the presidential election. There's some truth when the United States was first colonized, yes, since there was this direct connection back to England, even though obviously there was the whole escape of different civilizations leaving England. So it's very interesting that the U.S. is so tied so closely to England. Can a lot of people claim King John as an ancestor besides presidents? Yes, of course, since when the colonials came over, there were only so many different families. Changing subject to William Tell, in the 13th century did Holy Roman Emperor Rudolf of Habsburg dispatch his army of tax collectors to enforce his feudal claims over part of what is now modern-day Switzerland? Yes. Did a tax collector named Hermann Gessler raise a pole in the center square of Altdorf using his hat decorated with peacock feathers as a symbol of imperial power? Yes. Did Gessler command all who passed to bow before the hat on the pole and show proper respect for the government? Yes. Did William Tell and his younger son Walter walk past the hat on the pole without bowing? Yes, they did. Did William Tell laugh out loud at the silly symbol of the government and, and its claim to taxation? Yes, he didn't take it seriously. Under the threat of death, did Gessler order Tell to shoot with his crossbow an apple placed on the head of his young son Walter? Yes. If Tell didn't succeed with a single shot, did Gessler inform Tell that his son would be killed? Yes, and also possibly William too. As according to legend, did William Tell shoot the apple off his son's head without harming him? Yes, he did. Did Tell hide a second arrow in his coat to kill Gessler if his son had been injured? No. Did Gessler order Tell's arrest, him to life in, sentencing him to life imprisonment in the dungeons of Gessler's castle at Kuznicht? Yes. During a long boat journey to transport William Tell to prison, did a violent storm suddenly arise from on the lake with the oarsmen begging Gessler to release Tell so that he could help steer him steer, could help steer them to safety? Yes, it occurred. On reaching shore, did William Tell manage to escape into the surrounding forest? Yes. Did Tell later ambush Gessler and his party along the Holgas path on the way to the Kuznicht castle? Yes. Did William Tell shoot the torrent straight through the heart? Yes, he did. Why is it impossible to know whether the legend of William Tell has any basis in truth? The problem again with history and history that far back is that there's no physical proof. So even anything that's been written down in books, for example, cannot be taken at 100% fact since it's still a human writing down the information. So there's still always slightly different information that can be from the truth. So that goes back to there's always one person's perspective, another person's perspective, and the real truth. So it's very hard when it's not physical evidence for anything in history to be believed to be true or not. The weird thing that occurs, though, with humans is that some things are taken as completely 100% true, even without a basis in fact. Why is the legend of William Tell so important to the people of Switzerland and to that country's national identity? Basically, that any person who is just an everyday person can still fight the authority figures. So nobody is better than anyone else. And it only takes one person to make a statement. What can we learn from the legendary figures of Robin Hood and William Tell, besides repression and, and taxation, leads to rebellion? Well, the first thing to learn from them is that a lot of current stories are based on these older stories. So there are some of these themes today in stories, TV shows, movies, etc., the second thing to understand is that in most stories, the hero usually wins. So there's usually this happy ending or something good happens at the end, which gives humans hope that good things will always be done. And also what can be learned is that a lot of these stories are based on all different types of fact. So there's all different stories that come together where a person, an author, put parts of their life into the story while basing it on other knowledge too. That was the last answer. Is the legend of William Tell too good to be true? That depends on what you are prepared to believe. Well, my gut feeling all along was that uh, the legend of William Tell would turn out to be, via the psychic insight, to be correct. I think the details were so specific 
and uh, I haven't been as well. I have actually been to Switzerland once or twice, but uh, um, I think that country has uh, has has a lot of image based on that story. So um, I was really pleased that the psychic insight turned out being that William Tell was real. I think what's interesting um, with me about these stories is that I'm making the connection to different superhero movies, but I'm also making the connection to fairy tales and Disney movies and that kind of stuff. So it seems like in different eras of history and in time that there's these different genres, but they all have the same story where there's something that happens, there's some person who becomes the hero and they have their whole journey. And then there's usually an ending point too, where for the most part, the hero usually wins against the so-called bad people. Yeah, I have to clarify something. I messed up on Bridge and Davion. Uh, Davion doesn't mean bridge. Uh, there's a song, Silipon Davion, which is a bridge in Avignon. So the parents of uh, Bridgeanne obviously had a sense of humor. So apologies to Bridgeanne and, uh, and your research. Um, I think what else do we have to say? The Holy Grail observation was very interesting. Um, that has uh, been uh, a subject of much, much in a way of movies and books and so forth. I mean, on a side note about the Holy Grail, it seems that the Holy Grail in general just represents the whole fact of the fountain of youth and all these different tales where you want to go search for something, you don't know if it actually exists, but a lot of people actually do believe that something like this actually is out there, and from the psychic insight, it sounds like there might actually be the Holy Grail still out there. Yeah, that was uh, that was not what I really expected at all, but that's that's the fun of doing this show. You, you, you find out things you don't expect. Well, on that note, I'll mention our Facebook page at Too Good To Be True, and our first two is spelled T-W-O, and our website at toogoodtobetrue.net. And if any of the listeners have suggestions, if you want us to do some other type of form, maybe you're really interested in superhero movies, I don't know what exactly we'll ask about them, or fairy tales or anything like that, or even a completely unrelated subject to today's show. And as always, we thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to next week's show. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. 
to order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I dot net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. <laughs> 